0: That music is an invitation, an invitation to sit up and join me as we look into God's Word. This isn't your parents' Bible study or some pre-printed material from your denomination. Each episode we tear into God's letter to humanity to see what would God have us know about Himself, about the world around us, and about ourselves. I am Brother Mitchell from the Discipleship Center and you are listening to the TDC Podcast. When I was younger, I learned to keep my ears open at church and to observe the things going on around me. That little church that I grew up in was full of immature church attenders that liked to talk a lot and listen little, and they loved to argue about everything. Paul is charging Timothy to watch out for people like this. As we continue in our study of First Timothy, um We find ourselves in verse 3. Let me read the passage here, and then we'll continue on. It says, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law, without understanding either what they're saying, or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, But for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. This charge I entrust you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding the faith, and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So let's break this apart a little bit here. Doctrine is the study of God and where we can know what is true about God other than his word, the Bible. Nowhere, right? Too many times when I or someone else teaches, we go through something plain and clear in the Bible and then you hear somebody pipe up with a, yeah, but... And it doesn't really matter what comes out of their mouth at that point because they've listened to Satan when he says, did God really say? What's happening is they're hearing what God says, but they want their contrary opinion to be equal with God. Now, what doctrines is Paul talking about when he talks about these differing doctrines? He's talking about the doctrine concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ and the salvation it affords. In the first century church, it was the Judaizers who wanted to accept God's grace in word, but hold on to the practice of the Pharisees in their practice. And Paul preached salvation by God's grace alone through faith. And the Jews would say, yes, but after circumcision, and you need to keep the feasts, and remember the holy days, and adhere to a kosher diet, and on and on they would go with all their laws. Or... There was also the doctrine of the ascetics who taught uh, touch not, taste not, handle not, as we see over in Colossians chapter 2. Now, as far as the myths and endless genealogies, the Jews were like so many nations in that they made up stories that may have been rooted in a little truth. But were mostly useless, although an entertaining story. Uh, they had some mythologies like Father Abraham sitting at the gates of hell. They, they believed that Father Abraham would sit right there and no Jew would enter hell. Didn't matter how bad he was, didn't matter what he'd done during this life, Father Abraham would make sure that they didn't enter hell. They had this story about the city of Luz, where if you could make it to that city, um, you would live forever And, uh, you know, everything was perfect there. But the moment you stepped out of the city, you instantly aged and and probably died, depending on how long you were there. Oh, and of course, there's Adam's first wife, this mythology of a a Lilith, the uh, first wife that rebelled against God and and Adam and was the mother of all demons. It's, uh, you know, whatever. We have people today who would rather talk about seeing ghosts or talking to angels, out-of-body experiences, visitation by aliens, Bigfoot, etc. So this is nothing new. People always find the the science fiction stuff um, more entertaining than truth. I was counseling a couple in their marriage um, a few years back and during the session they were pretty quiet. They never did any of the assignments I gave them. Never had much input about their marriage. However, after the session, they would immediately start talking, and they'd tell me all these crazy stories about ghosts haunting their families since the era of the Tudors, and, well, let me just say, their marriage, not surprisingly at all, just like their faith, failed. Why? Because as a fallen, unregenerate humanity, we're prone to enjoy a lie more than the truth. The miraculous gift of salvation becomes blasé, but the realm of fiction is forever fascinating to us. Don't speculate on the worthless, but rather on what God has specifically given. I see people all the time trying to delve deep into the unrevealed mysteries of God instead of focusing on what he specifically gave us in his word. Do you know why we call the Bible God's word? Because if God were here in our presence and were to talk to you, what he's given you in the Bible is what he would tell you because that is what he once revealed about his plans and his nature and what he expects of us. Now, why do we argue and speculate over false doctrines? Usually it's because we love ourselves and our pride and our intellect and our status more than we love anything else. We've put God second in our lives, and our fellow man, uh, they don't even make the list, you know. If we could take a time out and remember who we are in comparison to God, we would remember that we are only where we are at by His grace. The repentance and reliance we needed at the moment of positional salvation is the same repentance and reliance we need every day in our sanctification. Let's look at this swerving from the truth statement a little bit. Bane discussions, or as uh, me and my friend John like to refer to them as the tall weeds, I've been guilty of going off on a debatable tangent a time or two. You know, it's not a sin to debate the meanings of a passage of scripture, but when we try to hold a dogmatic position based on the conjecturing on unclear information that is not presented, well now we're wandering aimlessly in the murkiness of opinions, doubts and endless debating with no possibility of a resolution, any unity or spiritual growth. Now the Pharisees of the first century were described by Jesus as enjoying the position of being called rabbi or teacher. They loved the position the prestige, the prominence, and the pomp that came with being a Pharisee. The problem was they didn't know what they were talking about. Their view of the law was that it could keep good Jews good by keeping the law. But that's not what the law was for. Remember that the law was not a list of rules to keep righteous people good, but to expose evil people's hearts and their need for a savior. We don't teach behavior modification here. What good would it do you if you stopped all your addictions, went and got a job to support yourself, became successful in this world's way of thinking about success, if at the end of it you died and went to hell? So that's what the Judaizers were all about. Keep all these rules in the law and you can be justified before God. The problem is they couldn't keep those laws. We can't keep the law. We inherited sin from Adam and we continually practice sin, and we can't erase all our past sins or stop sinning in the future without a changed heart that only Jesus can make. We can't clean ourselves up, we can't change our own hearts, and we can't pay for our own sins. The law is the prerequisite to the gospel. The law is still for today. In that, it shows God's holy standard and that we're guilty And we can't pay off our sin debt. And the debtor's prison is an eternity in hell. The law is the bad news. How can we take care of our sin problem? Only by repenting of our sins and believing that Jesus' work on the cross and his overcoming death is enough to take care of me. When we are sick of the sin condition that we find ourselves in and turn to Jesus for our only answer, then we can find the answer to our biggest problem of what will I do on judgment day? This is the good news of the gospel. Now, let's take a look at this last bit in in the section we read today, the penalty for blasphemy. You know, we were all blasphemers to a certain extent before repentance in that we did not believe, some may have doubted, and some may have even mocked the gospel. However, Hymenius and Alexander were in a different category of blasphemous in that they claimed faith in Jesus but then they threw their faith overboard and started to teach a different gospel. Did Hymenius and Alexander lose their salvation? No, I don't believe so. The truth is they never had salvation, only religion. How can tares be in the wheat? How can the unfruitful tendrils be on the vine? How can goats get mixed in with the sheep? Because they're attracted to the church for some religious reason, or some monetary reason, or some entertainment reason, or for some other practical reason. The difference is that just like the three of the four soils couldn't produce fruit, these false converts cannot persevere. They cannot hang on because they don't belong. We see it all the time. Someone comes in here sounding good. They have all the Sunday school answers. They talk the talk, but pretty soon things aren't matching up because they can't really walk the walk. You say you love God, but you hate your brother. You say you're a new creature in Christ, but the old things haven't passed away. They're still very much a part of your everyday life. You think you're a good person based on what you do. You're hanging plastic fruit on your Christmas tree life and you're trying to convince everyone around you that you have an apple tree kind of life. The problem is, you may fool brother Mitchell for a while, but God sees right through your facade and at some point your show is going to get canceled. Don't be shocked people when we see these type of people come and go we should be discerning about people that are more into religion than god's grace watch out because they will try to add subtract or replace the simple truth of the gospel watch out because people's pride will usually outshadow love at some point the discipleship center and its subsidiaries TDC Aquaponics and TDC Farm are a registered 501c3 charity serving in the not-so-beautiful city of Kekakee and its surroundings. Have you or a loved one been struggling with substance abuse, chronic unemployment, need some work experience after recent incarceration, or just failed to move on to a more productive phase of life? There is hope just around the corner with the Discipleship Center where every life matters and we strive to fulfill the Great Commission one life at a time. Check us out on the web at www.discipleshipctr.org today.